Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Hey everyone, I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Today's guest, he is a mentor, a motivational speaker, and an entrepreneur born and raised on the south side of Chicago in a poverty-stricken community called Inglewood. He learned to survive the streets by any means necessary, guys. However, Little did he know those lessons will give him a platform to write his own book called The Devil Thought He Had Me. This guest provides great details about how he overcame various obstacles in his life. Elevated Voices Podcast would like to give a warm welcome, a standing ovation to Wendell White. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate being a part of the show. How about how you doing today? I can't complain, man. It's a beautiful day. And hey, I'm alive. <laughs> I, I know that's, that's, that's all that matters. That's all yeah, that matters. I can't ask for more. I can't ask for anything more. That's that's awesome. That's awesome, man. But today's been a good day for me as well. Um, been looking forward to this interview since we since we spoke. And uh, man, I'm just ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so. Wendell, I had the opportunity to read your book. Let me just say, wow, you had so many great details, messages and meanings throughout the whole book. But one of the things that stood out to me was the phrase, if I can change the way that you think, I can change the way that you live. I thought that was amazing. I have no idea where that came from, how you created it. Where where did it come from? Well, to be honest with you, I heard my mentor say it before. Um, my mentor has said it before, and uh, it just stuck with me because one thing in uh, mentorship, one thing that that my mentors and all mentors they try to do is they get you, they try to get you to change the way that you think. They try to get you to change your perspective of situation, you know, because we've been taught so many times and so often. It is what it is. This is what it is. Like whatever the situation that you're dealt with, this the hand that you dealt with. Either you're gonna play it this way, or it ain't gonna go no other way. But that's not true. You always need to look and, and see that it is a different way. It is a different alternative. But we have to also be looking and willing to 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 take those situations and say, let me see if I if I look at it in a different if in a different way, can I get a different outcome out of? Because we don't, we don't, we don't understand that, and we don't get that. So, man, I, that that kind of stuck with me. If I could change the way you think, I could change the way you live. Because just think about this: we talk about poverty a lot. You hear that word "poverty" goes around a lot. Poverty is not a way that you live. That's a that's in your mind. If if you think and believe that you're in poverty and you're poverty stricken, guess what? That's how you're gonna live. Nothing, nothing matters. Nothing. Your neighborhood. We gonna ride down the street and throw trash out the windows, and you know we we not gonna clean up the neighborhoods, and we gonna you know put graffiti and things everywhere. That's all part of a mind state. But when you could change the way you think, and you can change the way you live, if that's really what you want to do. Wow, mind over matter. 
Honorable matter. Honorable matter. <laughs> so that's awesome because a lot of people don't get that concept. They don't understand that concept. And it's like, hey, this is how I was raised. So I'm a product of my environment. I'm never getting out. But it's true. And I know that it's true because I made it out. I know that it's true because you made it out and you talk about just that in your book. And you know what? And, and, and to be honest with you, it, it all started with just had to separate myself from my neighborhood, separate myself from those people that thought like. So you have to put yourself around people that don't think like you. How is you going to know something different if you don't put yourself around people that don't think like you? And guess what? It don't always got to be, you know, I got to um, I got to go surround myself with all black men or. It's any type of man that you feel comfortable with being vulnerable. First, you got to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to open up and share some of your deepest, deepest secrets and some of your most intimate moments that you don't want to share with nobody else. But trust them enough to say, you know what? I believe that they have my best interests at heart, you know, and then in, in along this journey, man, I have I have came in contact with so many great men that I look up to men that, you know, they, they were older than me, some younger than me, but they were doing different things. They were doing different things that I gravitated to. And I said, man, I like that. I like that. And some of them called me, man, what up, big bro? I'm big bro, but I look up to you though, you know, because of just what they were doing, what the things that they were into, the things that they were doing. And it was all conducive to growing. It was all conducive to helping everybody else grow as a whole. And that's that's the part that I had to understand and get out of that poverty stricken mindset that I had and put myself around some guys that was conducive to growth. That growth was the main objective. Right. And you don't get that. The thing that you said was men. You didn't say little boys. You said men. And a lot of our African-American communities are missing that. And that's so true. In my opinion, that's a lot of what's going on right now in our communities because there there are no men that's willing to stand up, and and, it, and it's and it's sad. You know, we we could blame we could blame you know the white man and Jim Crow. We we could do all that. Look, I'm not I'm not I'm never gonna sit here and say that that didn't happen or that doesn't matter because a lot of the things that happened back then it is residue for what's going on right now. But it comes a time in our lives as a culture that we have to stop pointing the finger and then we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing wrong? What, where, where are we going wrong at in our own children's lives? And growing up on my, on my end, I have seen men go father children and wasn't fathers to those children and left the mothers to fend for themselves. I can, I can count for that because my father wasn't in my life. Right. So it's like, when we have to, we have to, we could, we could, we could blame the white man or we could blame all the laws or we could blame all this, everything. We could, we could blame all that. And I'm not saying we giving nobody no pass for what they did, but also if we're not going to give them a pass, we can't give one another a pass. We have to be accountable for what we're doing out here in, 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 these, in these streets with these children. We're making these babies and then we're letting these kids fend for themselves. Right, right. The streets are raising our kids. Absolutely. The streets, the, the, the rappers, we, we can't say that the athletes anymore because as they getting younger and younger, their mindset doesn't even change. You know, it ain't a lot of LeBron James out here that's trying to change the world. A lot of these kids, man, they come from poverty stricken neighborhoods, single moms. They just want to get their family straight. 
They ain't worried about nobody else's family because they trying to get their family straight. We we we've lost that compassion as a, as a, as a, as a culture. We don't have that compassion no more. We I remember growing up when I was able, my grandmama could send me next door to to Miss Jones' house, and Miss Jones gonna give her a cup of flour. Miss Jones gonna give her a couple packs of hot dogs to feed the grandkids, and, and, and it was that it was that type of compassion and love for one another. Now you can't dare go knock on one of your neighbors door and ask them, man, I ain't got no food. They're going to look at you. Well, we ain't got none either. They're not even going right. to figure it out. Right. You're going you're gonna to be the talk of the block. And that's what we we lost that. We lost that compassion, you know, as time doesn't evolve because it done came to every man for himself. Every man right. for himself. You know, so that's, man, our, our community, we just got to get better, man. Yeah. Survivor of the fittest. That's basically what we do. And it's it's so deeply rooted in our culture that we don't even know. Because way back when, when slavery was around, the whole story of divide and conquer is the goal that I feel a lot of slave owners had. We're going to get different people that speak different languages, right? But then also we're going to put a little jealousy in there. And so it's like we come from nothing. We have nothing. So when we get a little bit of something, that's our everything. And because we don't have anything, we don't have generational wealth, the materialistic things that we do have, that is what we value. That is what we cherish. And, and, and that's so true. And, and see, that's why I'm happy. Like, like I couldn't have never I couldn't have never been on this journey that I'm on right now but without my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I could like, I have to throw that out there because it was him that changed the trajectory of my life. You know, so I have to throw that out there. So that's why the Bible tells us put our mind and seek our hearts on things that are above. See, when you put your mind and your heart on things that are above. And, and I, I'm not, there's no not to no religion. Right. Whatever, whatever rocks your boat, rocks your, rocks your boat. I, I believe in Christ. But one thing that I love about the Bible, the Bible teach you how to love. It teach you how to have compassion. It teach you how to have, it teach you how to sympathize and empathize with a person when you have to. It teaches you that. It, it's not the card that makes you. It's your heart that makes you. It's that love that you have for your fellow brother or your fellow sister. That's what makes you the person that you are. And, and, and it is so true that they, 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 they divided us and conquered us and they conquered to divide us and put our minds on those material things and that jealousy, that jealousy set in somewhere down the line. Even with that, we stopped loving one another. We stopped having that compassion for one another. It stopped being about I'm doing this for us. And it was just all became about me now. It's me. See, we 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 no longer, we are no longer selfless. It's all it is all about us now. We and, and that's why that's why we go back again to that raising of these children. That's why it's up to us to raise these kids how to love, first of all, they brothers and sisters, all that fighting with the brothers and sisters and the aunties. How are you gonna teach me? How not to fight with my brother and sister, but I see you fighting with your brother and sister every day. Right. I see right. you. I see you and Auntie so and so calling each other names, and you and Uncle Tom, y'all don't get along. But you telling me and my brothers and sisters, we better get along. How do that work? Kids go off of what they 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 don't go off of what they hear. They go off of what they see. Right. They, they looking. So right. if you telling me something, the first thing they looking at you is saying, "Oh man, I ain't trying to hit nothing my mama talking about because." She just cussed 
my uncle out the other day. And that's that part of we, we're actually conquering and dividing one another. You right. know, now, now we ain't even talking about the white man no more because they did their part. Now we're talking about in our own household. Now you're conquering and dividing your household. That's why the Bible say a house divided cannot stand because now that the house is divided, how, how, can this, how can we stand on this foundation when the house is divided? You're not teaching me the way that I'm supposed to go. So guess what? I'm divided because I'm unlearned. Being unlearned is being divided all the way around the world. Right. And that's so true. Role models. We don't have a role model. How can we model something that A, we probably never learned, B, we probably don't care to learn, or C, we're trying, but it's too late? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that my mentor always tell us, like, learn one thing about learned behavior, it can be unlearned and retaught. But do you want to be retaught? Because some people just say, man, I'd rather do it like this because misery is normal to certain people. That's normal. True. True. And, and, and they don't want to come out of that. They don't want to come out of that because it feels uncomfortable. See, peace feel uncomfortable to people that don't have peace. They right. If, if, if you put a person in my lifestyle right now and you let a person walk in my shoes every day for a week straight, they're going to tell you, Dale, man, you, you live a boring life. Your life is so boring. Now, my life is peaceful. Don't don't mistake boring with being peace. Last night I came outside this morning. I was walking my dog. My neighbor across the street, she said, did you hear all the commotion that was going on last night? The police and they was out here fighting the act of the food and all oh, this doing it. I said, no, I ain't hear none of that. She said, the whole block was outside. I said, well, sweetheart, the peace of God is in me and my house. We got the peace of God. So we sleep through all that food. Right. That, that, that God, we're not going to wake up to none of that because the, we, we, God has given us messages and dreams and stuff that he need us to, that he need us to get so we can go benefit for the kingdom of heaven. We're going to sleep through all that. We're going to sleep that because that's that peace. But everybody don't have that. So it, it, it's a lot of people out here, the lifestyle that they live, that's just normal. It's women out here that get beat every day. They would not lead a man because that's normal. It's, it's men out here every single day. They go and, and deal with whatever the woman put them through or whatever they do. And they say, I'd rather stay because of my kids. And they make up all these excuses. And the real thing about it is just normal. And I refuse to move because I refuse to be stretched. I don't want to be stretched. Stretching right. is comfortable. I don't right. want. I don't want to do that. You know that might work for you, but it don't want to work for me. And that goes with that. If I could change the way you think, I could change the way you live. You know, you got to got to get out of that. You got to get out of that comfortable that 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 comfortable spot sometime. And you got to say, you know, I got to make a move. I got to do something different. Right. Because in order to be stretched, that's another translation for growth. Actually. Absolutely. And if you're not being stretched, you're not growing, period. Absolutely. And so you're not growing in your relationships. You're not growing in your mentality. You're not growing in your intellect. You're not growing overall, period. So living in chaos, living in misery, I know that oh so well. So why change? You know, I, I mastered this. Right. You know, I have years of experience in this. Absolutely. So I know it. So you telling me now that it is something different, something better, and I have to learn how to do that. So I have to unlearn how to do all of these unhealthy behaviors and learn a new healthy behavior. Absolutely. That's hard. And it is. And it is. And, and, I, and, I, and I can contest to that because I had to go through it. And it was a struggle. 
It was a struggle for me selling drugs, making all this money every day to go get a real job. That was a struggle to now, depending on the check and you getting a thousand dollars every two weeks. That's a struggle, but it's a benefit in it. Cause guess what? Now I can go to sleep peacefully. I ain't got to worry about nobody kicking in my dough. I ain't got to worry about nobody sticking me up. I don't got to worry about being out all times of night, you know, putting me and my family in no danger. Like we don't understand it, but it's going to work out for your good. All you got to do is go with the flow. And like you said, that growth, you just think like this, sis. With all the babies and stuff that's being made right now, how parenting is beginning younger and younger. The reason why these 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 relationships and stuff like this don't work, and you know the baby mama and the baby daddy, they don't see eye to eye. We we don't we don't we we don't even teach the kids how to go on dates, and we don't teach women how you should always keep high expectations for yourself. You're right. worth more than a blunt. You worth more than sitting in somebody's car riding around being a trophy because we don't teach them that. Because guess what? They watching mama now. They watching love and hip hop, basketball, whatever the name of that, that garbage is. And look how the men on there treat the women with their money and all this and all that. They, they let them know I can treat you any type of way as long as I got money. You know how many women I've heard, he can do that to me as long as he keep giving me that money. Why should you let somebody treat you like that because they got money? You could go make your own money. Should you be treated less than because you feel that you will be well off because of he could provide for you. He could buy you a nice car. He could buy you this. He could buy you that. So just like at the beginning, it all starts with that mindset. It's right. that mindset. That's like in, in, my, in, my, in my, my household. We don't, I, don't, I don't let my, my kids watch love and hip hop and stuff like that. My, my wife don't watch that. Because all that type of stuff get into your they get into your spirit. All that all that chaos and confusion and arguing and back and forth, all that type of stuff get into your spirit. You you trying to keep up with Kim Kardashian now, Kim Kardashian them rich for real. You you're not gonna keep up with them. You put yourself so far behind trying to keep up with that stuff because now you go out and buy things that you really don't need, stuff that you just want. You know, you spending money that you shouldn't be spending. Just think with all the stimulus packages and everything these government people done gave you. How many of those people went and got their credit together? How many people actually went and paid off debt that they were in to get themselves out of debt to try to get their credit and stuff together? How many people really, really did stuff like that? But they went and bought TVs and when they bought a whole lot of stuff that didn't mean nothing, ain't going to help at all. Don't get me wrong. I understand everybody want to ride slick. Everybody want a big, fancy TV. But why you got an 80 inch TV paying rent? If you paying rent, you ain't got your own house. Like a lot of stuff doesn't make sense. Did you see the little girl, the little African-American young lady that won the spelling bee, right? Yeah. Are we supposed to be pumping that little baby up? Right. She just did something that society said she would never do, you know? But we take our time and we focus our time on stuff that don't even matter. When when Cardi B, and there's no knock to Cardi B, when when when, when she just was on some award show, BT or whatever the, the award show was, and she was pregnant. I'm talking about every everybody on Facebook had Cardi B and all this and all that. Listen, the stuff that we supposed to be congratulating and pumping up. Guess right. Because Cardi B ain't Cardi B ain't looking at Elevated Voices podcast. Right. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the stuff that we do, we focus our attention on things that don't even matter. And, and we think, you know, I'm your favorite fan. I'm, I'm Cardi B's favorite fan. I'm, but Cardi right. B ain't thinking about you. Only thing she needs you to do is keep buying them rent. You get in any type of jam, you ain't going to be able to call on Cardi B. You ain't going to be able to call on Lil Wayne and Jay-Z and all them. They're going to go help the ones that they want to help. 
you ain't it. You know what I'm saying? And if they do help you, God bless you. But nine times out of ten, you not it. And that goes back to what you said. If I can change the way you think, I can change the way you live. Absolutely. That's the truth, sis. That's the truth. I stand by that every day. That's my that's my go-to slogan every single day. If I could change the way you think, I could change the way you live. Do you want to do you want to change your lifestyle? Do you want to change the way you live reality? Because if you do, I can help you. It's going to be a lot of mind changes that's going to have to go with that. So do you really want to change the way you live? Because everybody don't want to change the way you live. Just like we just spoke about. Everybody don't want to change the way they live. They comfortable in living in what they living in. They comfortable living, sleeping on a grandma couch. <laughs> they comfortable. Oh, that's, that's normal. Exactly. What was the turning point for you? You know what? When I, when I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 2011, I met my, my girlfriend. She's my wife now, but I met her. So when I moved to Milwaukee, totally different from Chicago, it's way, it's, it's slower, you know, coming from that fast city. But I had that, I still had that hustle mentality. I brought the hustle from Chicago with me, but I didn't bring that Chicago mentality, you know, because I always, I, I, I'd have been a lot of places. So I always knew like you have to adapt to everywhere you go. You can't always bring that 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 rah rah mentality to different places because that can get you killed or it'll get somebody telling on you and you will go to jail. So man, I got to Milwaukee, man. I I, I was selling heroin. I'ma say in like six months I had made like three hundred thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden it all was gone. Like in a blink, says I'm talking about in a blink of an eye. You hear me? It was right, just all right. gone. Like I didn't know where it had went. I didn't go to jail. Didn't nobody rob me. Nothing. It was just all gone. I had went through a real deep depression. I was at my lowest moment. My my, my wife, she had stepped out on me. We were still boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. She got tired of me with all my lies and cheating on her. So she went and found her a new dude. And, you know, everybody that was around me had left. So one day I came back from Chicago. Me and my boys had went and got our haircut. And, man, I'll never forget this. Man, I stuck my key in my door to open my door. And since I just started crying, I just began to cry. And, 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 I, and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't know what was wrong. That one day turned into like six months of me just crying in the bed, don't want to move, don't want to do nothing. And all I had was my children, my children and my mom. My mom would come to the house every day. She would pray for me. You know, my kids there, I got custody of six of my children. It was just bad. It was, I was just in a, I was in a terrible, terrible place. May 15th of uh, 2014, I'm on my way to Chicago to pick my boys up from their mom because uh, they go up there every weekend and then I go come back and get them. I was riding, I was talking on my cell phone. Police pulled me up, locked me up. I had a warrant in like Lake County, Illinois for a DUI I had caught a few months before that. They locked me up. And that's when everything had just started to change. It was like God had broke me down to nothing. Now the car was gone. Everything was gone. The kids was gone. Now it's just me and him. I got out of jail, man. I called I called my girl. I asked her, can her and her dad come get me? You know, she, she was still dealing with what she was dealing with. And I just told her, I said, man, I need you right now. They end up coming to get me. When I got back to Milwaukee to my house, man, Everything was just gone. I had lost everything. I didn't have no money. I was behind on my rent. Man, my girl, she said, she said, she said, let's go to church. She said, man, I got a nice church. Man, I went to church. And man, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
It was the best. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I heard a word. So when we left. She was like, "How you like it?" I said, "Man, I like it." And then the thing about the word, it was a young guy that was that was preaching the word. So it was like, man, I can relate to dude. Then he got the saying, you know, his brother was doing like two hundred years in the penitentiary and plus years in the penitentiary. So I'm like, man, dude, 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 been where I'm from. Like he where I'm from, you know. So um, I came back the next Sunday, June 29th, 2014. I gave my life to the Lord. Like you see these days, I can't even, I can't never forget these days. This the best thing that ever happened to me. See, I have tried everything else. I have tried everything else. I never tried God. I never tried Jesus. See, when I was taught growing up, as long as you say you believe in God and pray that he got you. But it, it, it was a whole different, that started with that mindset. I had to get my mindset changed. Everything that I had been through, I had already been saying since I was like 19, I wanted to write a book. And then it was like, man, once I got around all these different people and, and, and nobody really lived my life, nobody was in the streets, nobody ever sold drugs, nobody never did none of that stuff. Now I got to see it and, and got to taking different views from different peoples and, and, you know, just start looking through life through a different perspective. Yeah, they might never go through the things that I've been through. But they was all faced with the same challenges of being an African-American in this country. So it was like, you can do, it. you know, because now I'm around people that's bad. I'm, I'm watching do it like you can do it. You can do it. And man, one thing led to another. We was we was gone with it. So we was out of here. It's very few people. Somebody might disagree, but it's very few people who have the opportunity like you and I to make it out the urban city. I agree. It's, it's very few because if you do not have someone to show you different, not tell you to show you different and say, look, this is what life could be without being in the streets, without being in a gang, without selling drugs, without selling your body. Then if you can't see that in someone show you, you can never you, you will never make it out because like you said, if I can change the way you think. I can change the way you live. And that's true. And, and, that, and that goes with another another saying that I that, that I be saying in order to know an alternative, you have to see an alternative. How can I know something that I've never seen? You can't. So how can you tell me that I'm wrong when I've never seen right? You, you can't tell me that I'm wrong. Like for for 30 some years, you can tell me that selling drugs was wrong. No matter what I whether no matter what I thought the police thought. Uh, none of that I knew if I got caught, I was going to go to jail and all this and all that. But you couldn't tell me that it was wrong. You know why? Because I have seen my mama do it. I seen my grandmother do it. I seen all my cousins, my uncles. I seen my entire family get by off selling drugs. And we done made a lot of money and we done had the fanciest cars, the, the sharpest clothes. So why? Can, how can you sit in my face and tell me that I'm wrong for doing something that I was taught was right? Exactly. You can't. You can't. You can't. And that's and, and that's so many children that growing up right now in the world that we growing up in. I, I really hate to hear people call children bad mm -hmm. because children are not bad. They they may have some bad. They may be in some bad situations or some not so good situations. But at the end of the day, they only doing what they're accustomed to. This is what they're taught. This is the thing that they're shown. They're shown how to be disrespected. Right. They are raised how to be disrespectful. These kids are not born disrespectful. Exactly. But when you sit a child down and tell a kid, you don't have to listen to nobody but me, 
you're raising that child to be disrespectful. When you tell a child, you don't have to listen to that teacher. You don't have to listen to your auntie. You don't got to listen to him. This child, watch you go off on the whole family. Don't say nothing to my son. Don't say nothing to my daughter. You you making this child believe that they're inferior to law, that, that laws don't abide to them. Mm-hmm. That they are bigger than they are bigger than the law. Exactly. So now when they get out here in the street, what, what you think is going to happen? Because they think they can always call mama. It's some things that you get it yourself into. Mama can't help. And that's the part that you ain't telling. That's the part that you ain't warning them about. It's some things out here that we get it ourselves into. Only person can help you is Jesus Christ himself. If he don't come help you, you in some trouble. You are. Like people ask me, like, what you think was wrong with society? Disrespect is what's wrong. Right. Disrespect is what's wrong. It's absolutely nothing else. It's totally disrespect. I can back up everything that I say with the Bible. Okay. And I can show you in the Bible where it says why we are losing so many children right now. The way these children are dying at premature ages, ain't saying 15 to 16 years old, where it's disrespect. Because the Bible tells us a child is to honor his mother and father Mm -hmm. or they days on this earth will be numbered. Right. Exactly. And then and then, a, then the Bible tells us that it takes a village to raise a child, right? It does. So now let's bring all this together. If you got a child and I'm the teacher or the uncle, you made me part of your village. When you tell this child it's okay to disrespect me, what you're telling your child is, I don't love you. I hate you. So I'm going to help you dig this grave for yourself. Wow. This ain't what I'm saying. This is what the Bible's saying. Right. So I'm going to help you dig this grave for yourself. When you going around cursing out your grandmama and cursing out your auntie and cursing out the teacher, cursing out everybody that's part of your village, because when you're not around, Miss Susie is the mom. So she should respect you just like she respect Miss Susie. She should respect you just like she respect grandma, just like she respect you and so forth and so on. Anybody that you put in that village. So when you put them in that village, And then you teach them how to be disrespectful and rebellious. And what parents out here don't understand is when you go up to the school and you think you fighting for your child and you going off and you calling the teacher all these names and yelling and screaming, you're helping this child dig this up a grade. Then we flopped over the casket saying, my baby, my baby. Now you did this to your baby. You, it, it ain't got nothing to do with the streets. It ain't got nothing to do with the gangs. It ain't got nothing. To, it's the it's the disrespect. When I was gang banging, one thing we had to do was respect. Respect is respect keep you alive, or in disrespect kill. These kids have no respect, sir. They don't have no respect for nobody. And then the mamas and the daddies don't understand when they get a certain age. Then it's f you. Then right. you the b. Right. Then you this. Then you that. But you bred them like this. Exactly. This this is what you tolerated. You let this little girl around you and your girlfriends talking about men's and their penises and this little telling this little girl, call her the B-word. And everybody just laugh. Ah, it's so funny. Right. Because she's two years old. She got to get 22 too, though. So, so what you teaching? You laying here talking about sex and all this in front of this child that's soaking all this stuff up. And y'all pop locking and dropping it and twerking all in front of this baby. And then they grow up. And then what 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 do this child have to offer? She thinks sex is the way of getting over. That, that, that's her way. I'm going to make it. I'm going to put this thing on. Sweetheart, let me tell you something. Your thing ain't the best thing, but he'll take it. Mm-hmm. He wants your thing and hers and hers and, he, and hers and her. Nobody's teaching them. Nobody's having these intimate conversations with them. I got, I got a 10-year-old daughter upstairs right now. I just found out a couple of days ago, a couple of her friends down the street having sex. Oh, you can't hang with them no more. 
they they 12 years old. She 10, they 12. You can't hang with them no more. Right. It's, it's over. We, we have to learn as parents, I'm not being me. You're going to thank me in the end. You're going to thank me for this in the end. Exactly. But I think the other issue is, is trying to be your child's friend. Absolutely. There is no foundation. There is no morals like Big Mom. Absolutely. As as our generation grows, parents are younger and younger. But the thing is, like you said, we only do what we see. That's learned behavior. But it can be unlearned. If Absolutely. The parent have the time, the energy, and the know-how to have those open conversations with their children, to be there for their children. And to also tell them it's okay to express your emotions. It's okay to express how you feel in a way other than drugs and alcohol, in a way other than sex, in a way other than cursing, in a way other than whatever that may be. But we don't do so. It's a lot of parents who have failed and they have failed because they themselves didn't know because they weren't taught. You totally right. And, and I and I had to learn this because I have 10 biological children. Being a parent don't come with no no manuscript. So if you don't reach out for that help, if you don't try to get that help to understand why this and this is that and why is this and why is that, you're not gonna know. And like you said, with that trying to be your friend, it's okay to be friendly with your child. Cause I've always been friendly with all of my children, but we're not homeboys. Right. We're not homegirl. Right. Like I always knew where to draw the line in the sand because at the end of the day, it's still that respect level. Right. Even with playing with my kids sometimes and I see things are starting to get a little way that I don't like it. It's the tone starting to change. I stop right then and there. Now it's back on dad mode. Now, look, I'm not playing with you. Right. You, you, your mouth getting a little bit too slick now, you know. Now, I ain't finna go back and forth with you because now you see once I elevated my voice. OK, now you see daddy not playing. You know, and, and that ain't no going back and forth. So now you say something else back to me. Now you're being disrespectful. Now you got to deal with the consequences. And we don't have that. I, I've seen mothers and daughters. I'm talking about they cursing each other out like they two women that they don't know each other. Like, that's her mama. Like, yeah, that's her mother. Mm. And they beat this, beat at it, hollering and screaming. And I hate you. And like, no, like, no, like, she 12, she 13. One thing that I do is, Every environment that I go into, I know I got the power to change the atmosphere. I'm always looking at the best. I don't care what it is. Like, I don't care what they done said this person that did or whatever, whatever. It's, I, I always see greatness in you. I always see purpose in you. We just have to find it. We have to identify it. So anywhere that I go, regardless of the, of the fact, somebody called me last night, man, bro, I need you, man, at this Boys and Girls Club, man. I think you would be a great fit. They say the Boys and Girls Club, terrible. I live for those type of moments. I live for those type of jobs. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Like five years ago, I taught at this school in Racine, Wisconsin. When I got there, the school had 275 suspensions. Wow. Out of school suspension. Sis, I was a mentor there. For like two years, my first full year there, I took the suspensions from 274 to 54 suspension. Wow. Because you're giving kids something that they don't get. A, that child need a hug. Right. That, that you get to talk to the teacher and tell them, instead of you steady kicking them out the room, ask them what's wrong. Exactly. Ask them, did he eat today? That baby been up since 5, 6 o'clock this morning getting his brothers and sisters ready. His mama ain't at home. Talk to him. 
get the understanding. When I went into this school, I was kind of naive of the fact that them white people don't, they don't understand that. They didn't understand stuff like that. They didn't believe that kids was getting kids ready for school. Exactly. And, and kids was going home feeding kids because y'all have never been a part of that. We had one meeting and I was telling them like, yeah, y'all know today, April 1st. So a lot of the kids going to come in on edge. So the lady, one of the teachers looked at me and she said, well, Mr. White, why? Because it's April 1st that the kids are going to come in on edge. I said, well, this is the day where they're going to turn off the lights of a lot of these children because their mothers haven't paid the light bill over the winter time. Mm-hmm. And on the first, they're going to turn off all the light. So by the time these kids get here in the morning, at, at nine o'clock in the morning, they're not going to have no lights. So these kids going to be dealing with the anxiety of they going home to the dark. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's cold. Mama probably at work or she at one of her friends' house or doing something. And at the end of the day, so many of the teachers was coming and saying, well, Mr. White, you called it. No, because I've been there before. Exactly. I've, I've been there. I, I know how it is. You really don't want to leave the school because... It's lights in the school. I don't need a TV. I don't need nothing. I, man, I got light. Right. A lot of these coaches, they just don't understand what really goes on in the African-American community. And they think we just all animals. No, we're not all animals. But we're just put in some real, not so good situations that we have not been taught how to get ourselves out of. Right. And we got one out of 10 that know how to get themselves out of it. But do they go back and grab somebody else and say, man, I'm going to grab you. And then you go back and grab somebody else. Or do they say, man, I'm just going to leave the hood. I don't want to be in the hood no more. And I'm gone about my business. I done made my millions. I done made it out the hood. Now I'm going to go and do this. And I'm going to act like this never was a part of my life. I'm never going to change who I am. I wear my baseball caps. I be around millionaires, sis. I'm talking about white, black, Chinese. They all love me because I stay true to who I am. You know, and they love my passion for helping children. They love my passion for trying to help people grow. I have to get that back because somebody helped me. Right. I would never get to the top of the ladder, then kick the ladder down and say, I'm the only one on this mountain. Right. That ain't how I go. And a lot of people don't have that mindset of being able to give back. And I know we have talked about so many great topics, so many different things that African-American families face day in and day out. What words of encouragement do you have for someone who may be listening, who is either struggling the same way that you have, or for someone who's not African-American that may be listening to the podcast and want to try to understand or help? Well, let me tell you this. I got this from a guy by the name of George Elliott. He said, it's never too late to be what you could have been. It's never too late to be what you could have been. As long as God wakes you up every single day with the activity of your limbs and with a with a cloth in your right mind, you got the power to do whatever it is that you want to do. But ask yourself, do you really want to do it? One thing I love about success is not going to come easy. You're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to fight for it. It's going to be some blood, sweat, and tears. But guess what? You're going to make it as long as you say that you're going to make it. See, all you need is is you that's dependent on you. You hear what you say about you every single day. You hear what you say about you. So what do you say about you? What do you say about your situation? Can you get out of your situation? 
Because if you tell yourself you dumb, guess what? You here first. Right. If you tell yourself you a failure, you're not going to make it. You hear it first before anybody else tell you. You hear what you say about you. So what do you say about you? Because I say that you're great. I say that greatness lives in you. I say that you are born with a purpose, that you can do anything that you put your mind to. Now, I'm just going to give you a push. Take yourself out that circle and put yourself in a corner. A circle ain't going to do nothing, but you, you just spinning around like a top. Everybody just grabbing on you. Get yourself in the corner. When you put yourself in the corner, the only people that can get behind you is people that's going to push you to your great. Do you want to be pushed? Do you want to be great? Because greatness lives in you. You just got to bring it up out of you. And for those people that, that may not be part of my culture that really don't understand, try to understand. Try to put yourself in our shoes. Come learn. It's okay not to be ignorant. Come see. Come to the hood. Come talk. Not coming with your nose frowned up or looking down. Just want to learn. Volunteer at the schools. Right. Volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. See what these kids go through every day. See what they have dealt with every single day. And it's going to give you a whole different perspective. If you have the means, try to go to multiple cities and, and multiple states and do this. One thing you're going to find out that it has in common, it's all over the country that's like this. Then you're going to start looking at stuff different. You're going to start saying, now something can't be right with this picture. Everybody can't just be lying. The school system right here is way worse than right there. But this all over the country. But you have to want to learn that. You have to want to see that for yourself because it's easy to sit back and say, well, I don't see systemic racism. I bet you don't. You white. Mm -hmm. I, I bet you don't see it. A lot of people that's not of our culture, that's the part that they don't never see. That's why they can say systemic racism don't live. That's why they can say that it don't live because you know how you going to say it don't live and you don't you don't deal with it. Exactly. You never dealt with it. All of your schools is performing with 10 stars. When somebody look at your school, they got nine and 10 stars. Look at all our schools. They one and a half stars, a half a star. You know, when I got in the school system, since I didn't realize that they go on an average, say we're going to use Chicago, Milwaukee, Minnesota, and Iowa. They're going to give you curriculum based on the average student learning. So, they're going to add up all these averages of all three of these states, and they're going to say, what grade level is these kids reading at in this type of community? So if this child is in sixth grade, but the averages they reading on the second or third grade, they're going to get them third grade curriculum. Right. So regardless if the child never fails or not, the child is always behind. So say, for instance, we move out to a, a Beverly Hills or the Hamptons or something like that and get in these type of schools. Now they're looking at our child like our child don't belong there. So even when they get to eighth grade, they still doing fourth grade work, fifth grade work. They are, even in high school, when the, when, the, when the average white high school, by the time they seniors, they're doing calculus and stuff like that from colleges and all this. And our kids just doing pre-algebra and algebra, the stuff that they supposed to have been doing in eighth grade and ninth grade, they always four or five years behind. Right. So when you, when you get these kids like that and they finally graduate out of high school, if they graduate out of high school, that's why they say they never going back to school. Because now when they get to college, everything is on the same playing field. So where this kid left that? They left to believe, I can't learn. Right. I can't learn. And that starts with how the government got it because it shouldn't be like that. Education should be education for all people. 
It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be we're going to lower this for them and lower this. No, you you hold parents accountable. You hold the kids accountable. And we're going to teach them all the same. Now, it's up to you if you want to learn. Exactly. And I, and I, when I was in the school system and I learned that and I seen that, I said, oh, yeah, these, these kids, they, they really here to fail. That's why they don't let you suspend the kids no more. Because now it's all about money. Your child has the right to fail. And that's in the employee's handbook at Racing Unified School District. A child has the right to fail. You can no longer wake a child up if a child is napping. A child can sleep the whole entire day if they want to do that. And we cannot wake them up. We can't write them up. We can't send them to the office because you know why? As long as you're here, I still get money off of you. I'm, right. I, don't, I don't care what you do, whether you read, write, let, I don't care what you do. And then we're going to get as much money up out of you as we can. And then we're going to push you to the side. And then we're going to continue to get money up off of you. Once you go to jail or wherever you go, we're going to get more money up off of you. So you're going to continue to get us rich regardless of what where you go. And that's sad. Right. But the school to prison pipeline, I know people may think that that's not a concept and it's not true, but it's also real. In America, a lot of things is designed for us to fail. Absolutely. And like you said, if you if you're not hungry, if you're not out there to get it, and I don't mean the street way and trying to elevate yourself to new levels, you're not going to get it. And that's so true. They've been saying this saying since the beginning of time. If you want to keep something from a black person, put it in the book because we just don't read. We don't educate ourselves. We don't want to educate ourselves. I read a book a month, sis. That's my goal. I do that. I read, and my mentors got me doing that. I read a book a month. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's so much stuff in those books, and I'm taking notes and I'm learning different words and understanding the meaning of different words and just doing this. And a person might say, it don't take all that, but why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? I, I learned how to cook up cocaine. I learned how to measure cocaine. Mm -hmm. I learned how to whip up heroin, bag up mm -hmm. marijuana. I learned how to sell pills. I learned how to do all that. That didn't just come to me. So if I learned how to, if I learned how to destroy a community, why can't I learn how to put a community back together? Wow. Wow. With that being said, guys, you have heard it from Wendell. He's the truth. He giving it to you as raw. And as real as it was given to him. So, Wendell, if somebody wants to learn more about you, if somebody wants to ask you questions, how can they reach out to you? Um, you can you can reach out to me on my website, Wendell White Speaks, info at WendellWhiteSpeaks.com. Um, you can order my book there, The Devil Thought He Had Me, Volume One and Volume Two. Um, I have a I have a mentoring program on there. You can see as well for men and for you. Um, it's a four-week program. $35 for the um, young men, $50 for the grown men for four weeks. It's not, it's not $50 per week. It's $50 for the entire four weeks and $35 for the entire four weeks. You can follow me on Facebook, uh, Arthur Wendell White, or you could go to my, um, my YouTube page, Wendell White Speaks. I got an Instagram page, Wendell W underscore 24. And man, just follow me. Hit me up on the side. I'm willing to. I'm willing to chop it up with you. If if you need my help, I'm going to help you. And guess what? It ain't it ain't about no money. If you don't got the money, just hey, hit me up. Say, man, I got a son. I got a nephew. I, I don't got the thirty five dollars. All I need you to do is be present there with them when we get this Zoom meeting on. Bring them a paper, some pens, something to write with, something to take notes with. And if you serious about helping them change their life, I'm going to help you change their life. I'm not trying to run their life. I'm just going to help them navigate through life. 
You don't have to walk through the puddle, but let me show you how you can walk around and we can get to where you're going. It may take a little bit longer, but it's, but you're going to get there. Well, guys, you have it. It was a pleasure. It was an honor. It was a blessing to have you on my show. Thank you so much, Wendell. Man, I appreciate you, man. I'm, I was honored myself, man. God bless you, man. You too. I know we go elevate, elevate, elevate. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.